0: Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves.
1: I begin my cultural history courses by reminding my students that we can't speak in general terms about any group. All women, all men, all Scots, all Australians, all black people, all white people. All people are unique, and hateful thought begins by generalizing and then othering. To that end, I think it's important to say that not all white people are racist. Today, we'll begin a conversation about some white people who are definitely racist. But I disagree with some ideologues on the far left who argue that all white people are inherently racist. That having been said, and knowing that there are some white people in the world who hold racist views and have committed crimes against humanity based on those views, it becomes incumbent on white people to oppose white supremacy wherever we encounter it. White people shouldn't feel guilty for anything we discuss in this episode, but they should be aware of it so that they can do something about it. It's a bit like having a crazy uncle who's going around setting fire to everybody's azaleas. We'd be worried the rest of the neighborhood thinks we hate flowering shrubs too, or that we at least condone our uncle's behavior. We might not feel responsible for all those burnt flower gardens, but we would feel responsible for getting our uncle to quit, or at least helping others to understand that we're not on board with this whole anti-azalea ideology not knowing our uncle is up to this destruction of plants and property is in a certain way worse because our neighbors are glancing bitterly at us and we don't know why in the case of white supremacy the stakes are of course considerably higher and the crimes much more horrific and deadly than azalea abuse which makes it that much more important that we speak out against these hateful philosophies let's continue that work now here on occult confessions I am your host Dr. Robert C. Thompson, the Supreme Hierophant of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors, joined this day by our Grand Master of the Order Olivia Literal bookending our cult conversation. Hello. Welcome back. How are things?
2: It's me and I'm here.
1: That's how things are.
2: Yep things Very are coming musical. up olivia <laughs>
1: everything Everyth- oh we can't do that <laughs> well, you can do a couple lines oh yeah you're right and you may remember our shepherd of the verse sam steen how's it going everyone yes. good to be back and sam that you've undergone a religious conversion since last we spoke i guess like
0: de- I deconversion i don't even yeah, yeah
1: deconversion and now i'm just
0: chilling. Yeah, because our I,
1: listeners know you from our Jesus episodes. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was Jesus. I was like the confused and concerned Protestant boy, because <laughs> like at that time I was coming to Rob on a regular basis, being like, I don't know anything. Like my religion seems wrong, but I like my religion. Mm-hmm. But then I did two years at, at Salisbury. And I got my philosophy degree, and far more questions and far more arguments came up for alternative religious ideals, alternative philosophical ideas, and I just went. I believe in god but i don't know what that means and i don't know anything about this jesus guy and i need i need to hear more about it you know i I looked into textual criticism a lot i like bart Mm -hmm. Ehrman, and he basically just kind of blew the bible open for me as far as inerrancy goes and now i'm here doing tarot in my free time
1: nice i mean here's the thing i want to say this so that everyone hears that listens to this show i did not deconvert sam stein listen to his story closely We talked, and then he left, and then he took philosophy classes, and then he changed his mind about this. I'm not here to turn Christians.
2: I can be a witness. I was in your office (laughs) many a times when Sam would be there being like, Rob, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah.
1: Doubt. Doubt is frustrating. Um, So is that movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Rip. Let's get into it. Uh, Let's pledge it out. We, the, we members the members of the secret the order of, of alchemical, alchemical actors do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the, the history of the occult as far as we know it. Do that voodoo that you do so well, Olivia, and open the order of confessors.
2: We're opening, we're opening, it's open, we're opening, it's open, we're opening, it's open. It
1: felt urgent and then celebratory.
2: That's kind of how I feel, like, a lot of times. day is? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Urgent, but then celebratory.
1: Let's welcome some patrons. Rogue S, Lumber L, Simon G, Mr. Panky, and I'm not going to finish the rest of your name, Mr. Panky, and you know why. (laughs) But I love you. I do love you. Harry B, Patty W, Brianna G, and most recently, ever who left us a a lovely note on Patreon. Thank you, ever.
2: Thank you. A little
1: bit of love for you all. Blue Lodge on the, uh, what you call it, apples, said A plus, plus, (gasps) plus.
2: We haven't had that in a a hot second, right?
1: Yeah, but not only that, it's three pluses.
2: A plus plus plus. Oh, wait, you could have spared four. a few more count.
1: pluses. Like if you're already given three.
2: <laughs> hey. Why, do, why be hey. greedy?
1: I know I shouldn't. Sam's not, not here enough to make. I will
2: take all the pluses, I all love the love you. it. Olivia
1: accepts your your offer of pluses, and I accept your offer of stars on Spotify. Uh, you guys have been helping us to keep pace. We are desperately chasing after that unnamed conspiracy podcast who has still more reviews than us, uh, but we are we are chasing him down. We're we're gonna catch him. I, I feel it. I feel it's gonna happen. I want to also uh, just give a a shout out and some love to our design contest winners. Uh, We had some wonderful pieces of art sent to us and we're going to be turning this into some new merch and sending it out to patrons and friends and uh, making it available on the website. That uh, is Terry Frew, uh, my buddy Terry, who actually came to the college and uh, did a workshop here with my students last semester. Terry is fantastic. Josh Russ, also fantastic. Mr. Leslie Sims from across the ocean. uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Beautiful uh, lizard, snake, and occult-based art (laughs) from you all.
2: Y'all crushed it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. All right, Olivia.
2: We're closing. We were open, and now we're closing. We're closing. It is closed.
1: All right, Sam, you're gonna to have to be patient with me because I have to explain white supremacy. I believe I, it's incumbent on me before <laughs> yeah, I get into fair. the Christianity. And I know you're excited about Christian identity and all that, but uh, yeah, let's let's do the clan first, shall we? Boo. Let's do it. Boo! Yeah, Olivia will provide the sound effects. <laughs> 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 So the number of people who belong to a Christian identity church is difficult to estimate, in part because so many are so far in the cultural underground. There may be as few as 2,000 or as many as 50,000. As I said to Sam, to understand the history of modern Christian racism, though, we have to start with the history of organized racism in the United States, the birthplace of Christian identity. Certainly racism exists in other parts of the world, but we hold the unique uh, title of having invented Christian identity. To a certain extent. The UK is to blame a little bit. We'll get there. By 1867, the first iteration of the Ku Klux Klan had coalesced around the project of prolonging the oppression of African Americans particularly in the formerly Confederate South, but ultimately throughout the entire country. Then, just after World War II, the neo-Nazis emerged with a distinctly anti-Semitic message. Both groups hated most non-whites, most non-Protestants, and all communists, but each had their specific targets. In 1864, the American Confederacy lost the Civil War to the United States. I'm sorry if that's a spoiler for some of you. sorry what followed
2: someone out there is like (gasps) oh no what i was halfway through the movie
0: gettysburg (laughs) that's how they're getting their history
2: i didn't even
0: finish the tour yet (laughs) how close are we to the mason dixon line some people might disagree
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right you're right speaking of gettysburg um the first time uh the kkk was founded and refounded uh three times uh the first time was on Christmas Eve, eighteen sixty-five, when six Confederate officers gathered to form a goofy little social club with no explicit project whatsoever, let alone white supremacy. Isn't that fun? They were just like They're
2: just hanging out. Oh,
0: yeah. That's how Proud Boys started.
1: It was just a goofy little yeah, social club. It was club. a
0: goofy like that guy Gavin McInnes, right? He was he had like started the Proud Boys. Yeah, he had started it was just like a men's club. That's how he had talked mm. about it. And now they're like fighting antifa in the streets and stuff like that or so they say yeah anyhow
1: uh they, uh what, what was i gonna say so that, that's just go a social club within two years though this club had metamorphosed into a channel for supremacist rage and racial violence so similar path they terrorized black voters and white advocates for african-americans rights they targeted black teachers black leaders politicians hosted lynching parties where they advertised in local newspapers and sold refreshments. Horrifying.
2: And Th- sold refreshments. Yeah, seriously.
1: They had like popcorn and stuff and killed people. Yeah, it's like,
2: That's yeah, like...
0: take your family out to the theater. No, take your family out to, to, the to l- a lynching. To a lynching.
1: Yeah.
2: That, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I guess you can think about it a bit like public executions, but that was a literally medieval practice. Uh, and these people are guilty of nothing. So, oh, yeah. 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 Anyhow. They burned black churches and schools, shot into homes, and were responsible for hundreds, if not thousands, of murders in the course of only a few years. I gotta put an asterisk on that. I was talking about those medieval executions. Those old people were often also not guilty of anything. If we Think about the witch burnings and all. Anyway.
2: I feel like they at least had a pseudo-trial.
1: Yeah, there was something to it. There was
2: some kind (laughs) of, like, this is just, like, straight up grabbing people and... Well, I mean, they're guilty of
1: the crime of... Being Being black, sure,
2: but there's no like even fake like resemblance of like a a, a, of a justice. It's
1: often being black and and aspiring to any kind of leadership or Mm -hmm. being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Asterisk on that: it is not a crime to To be black. (laughs) black. (laughs) Yes, we (laughs) we (laughs) firmly believe that here. Sam is not suggesting. Uh, Where were we? Yeah, we got to be real careful today. Uh, Their darkly absurd lynching parties suggested the clan's weakness. They were so egregiously and flamboyantly evil that they prompted an enormous backlash. I mean, we're sitting here saying this ghoulish, but Mm -hmm. in 1870, people were like, that's horrible and ghoulish. So it's not just us looking back. Mm -hmm. It was horrible at the time. Nobody was looking at it and saying, oh, yeah, of course.
0: You can't say they're from a different time. Right. No, they, they were
1: not. The people at that time were disgusted by this. So there was a huge backlash. Democratic politicians ended up having to distance themselves from the Klan as such In 1871, President Ulysses S. Grant signed the Ku Klux Klan Act, which captured and prosecuted Klan members as insurrectionists. Whoa. Yeah. But the damage had already been done. By 1877, the Klan and other secret supremacist groups they inspired had helped to install the Democratic Party, which at the time was the party of white supremacy in the state governments of north carolina virginia georgia texas arkansas alabama mississippi south carolina florida and louisiana so when we think about jim crow laws and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff it's difficult to separate all that legislation because that was all legislated from the kkk and their Mm -hmm. activities up through 1871 so nice try ulysses grant nice try (laughs) otherwise you were pretty cool and that tomb's really neat
2: (laughs) that tomb (laughs) is pretty sick yeah
1: and his autobiography is actually pretty cool anyway the first clan uh, did not actually wear the now iconic white robes or burn any crosses. so the 19th century clan was not engaged in any of that kind of activity. They're, they were up to their own weird, awful stuff. In 1915, William Joseph Simmons revived the clan and based his image of what the clan would be on historical accounts of the 19th century clan, but also the fictional of a Klansman, a historical novel of the Ku Klux Klan. This is where the robes and the crosses came mm-hmm. from. It's actually a fictionalization of the clan. It's,
2: is this like also with, what is it, a birth of, yep, the, birth nation? of the nation? Okay, yeah. I know the that nation. was like the, a big thing with, which I don't know if anyone's ever seen, I for a class you can had to it. watch. Yeah, we had to watch a lot of it, and it's like, <laughs> it's very painful.
1: D.W. Griffiths is largely responsible for popularizing the book with his movie. Birth of a Nation.
2: Okay, so it is the same. Gotcha.
1: Yep. Uh, Birth of a Nation is regarded as one of the most innovative and horrifying movies of the silent era, sort of like Lenny Reifenstahl's uh, Nazi Triumph of the Will. Triumph of the Will, uh, I-, I think in both cases, it's propaganda for mm-hmm. uh, a fa- kind of fascism.
0: Fascism, oh yeah. Yeah,
1: I rem- uh, When I watched Triumph of the Will, I drank an entire bottle of wine, <laughs> which I don't often do, but to get through Triumph of the Will, because it is it's beautiful. The imagery is beautiful. And you can see, you know, these, this horrible little man getting mm-hmm. up on this podium and all these people cheering for him and, and the ritual and all of it. And the filming is all quite beautiful. But inside is, you know, it is this horrible, <laughs> disgusting content that's ruining, killing millions of people. Yeah. Innovative form, terrifying content. These imagined clansmen were arch-conservative vigilantes, defending prohibition, fighting divorcees and adulterers, and persecuting Catholics and Jews for non-Protestant for their non-Protestant religious convictions. That's the sort of fictionalized mm-hmm. hero clansmen who busy right
2: busy boys.
1: Even to us, sounds not so good. The second clan, the early 20th-century clan, boasted as many as five million members, many of them in the industrial North. Yeah. That's
2: painful. Like
0: towards Boston? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Because uh, I know Boston has
0: a bit of a racism problem, and you can find chapters of like skinhead Nazis working within Boston. And it's like, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, you're like, oh, it's the North, it's a liberal city,
1: all of that. But no, in the underbelly, you can find big clan groups. Yeah. I'm going to tell this story. I, I've debated whether I should tell this story just because as a, a quasi-spiritualist, I don't like to anger my ancestors, <laughs> but... Uh, I'll say I had an ancestor who uh, had a, a hood. And when that ancestor died, they asked that the hood be torn up and burned or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So my ancestor uh, repented of their involvement in the clan. It may have been this clan or it may have been the slightly later clan. Probably is this clan, actually. Um, and my family, it was my father's family. They didn't want to do it. But my dad happened to have it, and so he took a pair of scissors, <laughs> lit up the grill, and unceremoniously destroyed the hood.
2: That's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice.
1: People who you would think don't have this in their background, right? I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. Yeah. Very multicultural part of the world, uh, part of the country. They have It can be in your background mm-hmm. because it was literally through the whole country. It wasn't just the South.
2: Interesting, too, the idea of, that they... We're like, oh, I can repent.
1: I think a lot of people did too. I think a lot of people joined the Klan. They thought it was cool. And then they're like, oh, no. Yeah. That was not cool. Yeah. Because it would have been, I don't know, the 70s when this. So it's not like we've had Obama or anything. (laughs) Nazis.
2: It's kind of a little similar where a lot of people, I think.
1: They said, oops, that was not a good thing that I was a part of. I'm not ashamed of that chapter. Or I am ashamed of that chapter of my life. Right. Uh, so, internal fighting and division led to rapid decline during the Great Depression, and the Second Clan fizzled out by the end of the Second World War. A folklorist, Stetson Kennedy, helped to bring the clan down when he infiltrated their ranks and leaked their code words to the FBI, the media, and the Superman radio show. This is true. They... Was
2: it, oh sorry, was it just because, like, they were all in the war? Is that why they weren't?
1: the Active. war helped to take it down yeah but also this guy he oh, okay. leaked all their codes and so anyone could infiltrate them particularly oh, the FBI but the, i guess the joke of it was that it even aired on national radio in a uh. superman episode yeah.
0: that type of stuff happens all the time like a sleeper cell kind of guy like one just completed it was like a 13 year it was in england a 13 year a mole investigation where they stayed in these groups and they basically recorded who was in these white supremacist group, these fascist groups and like they were so committed to it they got like beaten up by anti fascist like protesters, pepper sprayed, all of that. Just so they yeah, it's insane. But I just I just read about it. It's it's really incredible. Like just thirteen years of commitment.
1: It's like spiritually beautiful to me, Mm -hmm. that kind of self sacrifice. Yeah.
2: That's like yeah, that's what I was just thinking that they just like put 13 years of their life that they're now going to be very confused about, I imagine, to some mm-hmm. extent. Yeah.
1: Deep humility to do that kind of thing. Yeah. The third Klan arose in response to the American Civil Rights Movement. In 1963, Klan members assassinated NAACP organizer Medgar Evers. In 1964, they committed the Mississippi burning murders of three civil rights activists, two white and one black, James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner. The FBI took a special interest in bringing down the Mississippi Klan. Special Agent in Charge Roy Moore established an office in Jackson and succeeded in locating the bodies and identifying at least some of the perpetrators. Eight Klan members were convicted of the crime and 10 more alleged to have been involved. In 1965, they murdered Violet Laiuzzi, a Detroit mother of five transporting protesters to the Civil Rights March from Selma to Montgomery, and the following year firebombed and killed NAACP leader Vermin vernon dahmer so another period of hotbed mm-hmm. activity the modern kkk has attempted to put on a less savagely murderous face but so for now if we're looking at the 90s years some of you might remember in the 1990s david duke you know this guy yeah have you heard of him olivia david duke
2: that's such a generic name also don't trust a man with two first names so
1: is duke a first name? i'm thinking about it can that. be yeah or a dog's first name
2: yeah <laughs> don't trust a dog with two first names but i'm just a man with two
1: dogs only has one name
2: (laughs) good then i'll maybe trust it (laughs) anyway david duke
1: david duke david duke was one of the clan's leaders or imperial wizards and he argued that the rights of the white majority had been had been imperiled by anti-white policies like affirmative action and the doctrine of racial equality which he regarded as false he ran advertisements, spoke on college campuses, and always wore a business suit instead of a hood. But Duke's genteel clan proved unappealing to its core membership, and he eventually left to form the WP. Think about that for a second. White
2: people? The
1: National Association for the Advancement of White People, yeah. Hmm?
2: They've already advanced! <laughs> they did it! Congrats!
1: Mission accomplished, yeah. Disband yeah, like the whole thing! Day one on the first meeting. We did it. (laughs) We did it.
0: It's over. Go home. (laughs) You guys can go home now. Yeah. David Duke is like this movement towards like a very well polished and like air of academia type of white supremacist and fascist. And it's really effective. You know, they can act like they're not these horrible things and they can like dress themselves up, polish themselves up and like make these very rational appearing arguments but it you know at the bottom line it's all a ruse they they're going to say like their rhetoric in like the most like kind of like moderate way they can but ultimately they're they're pushing you towards like this far right this awfulness and so like it's it's scary cuz sometimes people fall people fall for it all the time they're like mm-hmm. oh he's just an educated guy he's just why can't he have his free speech you know open
1: duke did not stand alone as the leader of the kkk in fact the third iteration of the kkk was actually many little k's Perhaps Aww. the most, isn't that cute? Perhaps <laughs> the most, burning pop- with fire. <laughs> perhaps the most popular were Bill Wilkinson's Invisible Empire of the KKK, which pursued an overt campaign of racial violence. They attacked anti racist demonstrators with automatic shotguns and attracted 2,500 members as opposed to Duke's 1,500. So we're it's also looking 790s. at little groups of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the 90s.
2: But the, just a little bit later.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But Wilkinson, it turns out, was an informant for the FBI. <gasps> oh. And according to FBI reports, up to a fifth of the entire Klan, let me say again, there were only 4,000 of them, really, up to a fifth of them were informants, resulting in a culture of paranoia that remains <gasps> a hallmark of white separatist underground to this day. What? Jeez. It's still the case that if you read like about the Ruby Ridge massacre and stuff, there's a lot of interrogating of new members and people who try to join these Christian identity groups whether or not they're informants and FBI agents. Yeah. The assumption is always that you are. Everyone who says, hey, I'm really interested in your supremacy, mm-hmm. they're like, uh, so you're probably an FBI agent. Because actually you probably are. Odds are yeah. you are an FBI agent. We got
0: five guys standing out there. One of them. <laughs> one of them belongs. It's <laughs> yeah. not
2: like creating a culture of like delusion and paranoia at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to one of those rallies, you probably look out at the crowd yeah, and, and half of them are just there for the government they don't believe they're there to spy on the other half
2: In- then it's kind of like i don't know i don't know why that makes me feel weird
1: because it it does the government sort of makes them look like there's more of them
2: that's what i am guess i'm getting <laughs> at like <laughs> yeah. they're making it seem like a bigger thing not that it's not a big thing but they're making it they're just adding to the mm-hmm. facade of it being a large
1: i mean they're capable of doing some terroristy stuff I, don't, I shouldn't say terroristy, terrorist stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's why the FBI, I think, keeps such close tabs on them. It's the violence they're capable of. Can they
2: of. not have less people keeping tabs? <laughs> I guess. I'm like, no? Does Once everyone you're in, have like a buddy?
1: Maybe it's like, you know, you send in George and George is like, I, 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 I'm I with them now. And then George is like, I can't get out. I need some help. And then you send in Pete and then he gets stuck.
0: And,
2: and then John's following. Like, All
0: right, you want to be a part? You need to recruit two other guys. <laughs> and he
1: just keeps pulling in more FBI yeah. agents. He's
2: just flirty fishing FBI agents. In
1: 1959, George Lincoln Rockwell founded the American Nazi Party. He was by no means the first fascist in the United States, though. In the 1930s, William Dudley Pelley amassed over 15,000 silver shirts the silver shirts did not invent anti-semitism which is fairly ancient and they didn't even bring it to the u.s henry ford and his dearborn independent is largely responsible for popularizing anti-jewish propaganda in industrialized america rockwell's party was much smaller than the silver shirts and only a couple hundred members uh, joined and a few thousand names were on his mailing list But his influence was much greater than his membership in the way he reconceptualized American fascism, not as a collection of Aryan-Hitler fanboys, but rather as a pan-white nationalist racist movement. Although Rockwell made overture to sympathetic organizations, many considered his Nazi fascism un-American. Imagine that. (laughs) His influence was largely ideological rather than strategic or practical. He was born in Bloomington, Illinois, way back in 1918. His parents were both performers. His father was an English-Scottish vaudeville comedian, and his mother was a German-French dancer. He studied sociology and philosophy at Brown before enlisting in the Naval Air Corps as a pilot flying anti-submarine missions in the South Atlantic and Pacific, got involved in politics after the war as part of the campaign to have World War II General Douglas MacArthur elected president. He was inspired by the anti-communist speeches of Joseph McCarthy and the anti-Semitic newspaper Common Sense and came to believe in a global super conspiracy managed by a secret group of Jewish communists. Hitler. Oh, said,
0: cultural Bolshevism or whatever it's called. That's what.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, well, now it's like Jordan Peterson is talking about. I like, mean,
1: the, he's anti-cultural Bolshe, Bolshevism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yeah jordan peterson he's right.
0: like the cultural marxist it's just the same thing uh,
1: yes bolshevism <laughs> no longer makes any sense i guess to people but yeah for some reason we all have read Karl marx these days no we haven't no we haven't uh like hitler. Hitler. it's not fun <laughs> to read it's no hitler said rockwell who had incidentally actively fought for the allies against germany remember rockwell fought for the allies against germany and he said hitler truly understood the jewish menace but the Jews had subverted his plans by fooling the Americans and British into fighting against him. So I guess he's regretting that he had been fooled into fighting Hitler.
0: Dang. Some people regret being fascist, some regret being or F- fighting, fighting fascists. Fascist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's not how we remember the greatest generation, is it? After a series of dream encounters with Adolf himself
2: Okay. Sam needs <laughs> okay. <yeah, it> <laughs> so me to say that drop again. That.
1: I'll say it one more time. After a series of dream encounters Word. with Adolf Hitler rockwell decided to take his theories public somebody on i uh, somebody on itunes or something's like i don't like this show rob repeats himself i only repeat myself when it's important man
2: or when i'm like excuse me <laughs> yeah what that? i
1: repeat myself on command otherwise <laughs> freaking itunes in july 1958 he led a protest of the so-called jewish menace at the white house in october a synagogue was... Olivia can't take this.
2: Sorry. <laughs> it's funny. I just, like... Oh it's Anyways. weird
1: to think about, yeah. In October, a synagogue was bombed in Atlanta, and Rockwell supporters were captured nearby, leading to a mass backlash against Rockwell that forced him briefly underground. He re-emerged defiant, recruiting a team of fascist cosplay stormtroopers and mounting an illuminated swastika on the roof of his house in Arlington, Virginia, a suburb of the District of Columbia.
2: He got them from underground?
1: Well, I mean, they weren't like turnips. I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't just grow racist stormtroopers <laughs> underground? I
1: think that's the plot of one of the Star Warses.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We're Savannah? We're Savannah. <laughs> You're on this.
1: Well, we'll all just agree that that was definitely the plot of Star Wars 8. The... Star Wars ending. I was like, What's the, "The turnip menace." <laughs> the turnip menace. That's good. The clone turnip. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, he opposed the civil rights movement, of course, on the grounds that African Americans had been fooled by the Jewish conspiracy <laughs> into believing they were equal with whites and then grew violent as a response to this supposed misconception, resulting in gradually mounting societal breakdown. So the Jews are I behind everything.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, I love how they're still blaming still the Jews, Jewish yeah. people, even for their why, own racism against black people. Why yeah.
1: Jewish people? Like, why not oh. like...
2: <laughs> because history. <laughs> I guess
1: it's, it does have an ancient province. If you're going to yeah, blame it's- somebody, it's... Yeah. It has that... that I don't know. Like it's, what if It's it was vintage
0: like, racism. Yeah, what if it was like... T- the mongolian
1: globalists but they're not around they're yeah, like they're just in the steppe lands north of china I like know. who cares I nobody's worried about the mongolians
0: lands. it seems nice i mean
2: <laughs> peaceful <laughs> Yeah.
1: americans aren't racist yeah against mongolians because they don't see them you're, you're only racist against people you see all the time i, I guess that's the jews they're they're in all, so many western communities in yeah. europe and then in the united states so you can point the finger In September 1962, he awarded Roy... Which you shouldn't. You shouldn't do. Don't do that.
2: Keep your fingers to yourself. Keep your
1: fingers to yourself.
2: And let... Never mind.
1: Leave the Jews alone. Please. Please. For the love. (laughs) It's it's enough already. (laughs) They've
2: taken so much.
1: In September 1962, he awarded Roy James, one of his stormtroopers, a medal for punching Martin Luther King Jr. in the face in Birmingham.
2: Okay. Well...
1: (laughs) While he spent most of his fascist career... I mean, what does that medal look like? While he spent most (laughs) of his... Who prints that medal, Anyway. While he spent most of his fascist career attracting attention to his views in the late 1960s, he began to turn toward organizing and electoral politics, but his plans were cut short when he was shot by a sniper leaving an Arlington laundromat in August of 67.
0: I'm happy with that. Okay.
1: You're welcome. Spoiler alert.
2: One thing right in history.
1: Nobody made that movie. Okay. I'm sure. I'm wondering what happened to that guy. That guy probably went to jail, though. You can't just snipe people. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean,
1: maybe when he had a light sentence, they were like, well, imagine.
0: What if he just vanished?
1: Ooh, or that's he's cool. a
0: time traveler.
2: What if he also worked for the FBI?
1: <laughs> so George Rockwell was going to like take over America, and this guy time traveled back like the Terminator yeah. and eliminated <laughs> and just him.
0: Sniped him.
2: Good. Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I love it. So Hitler really was killed, and that like we all time traveled oh, back to she- kill Hitler. Mm-hmm. That really happened in America. It's all American together. Hitler was shot. It's possible. It's, I do time
0: possible. machines only work in America and you can only time travel in America because of the, the Mormons. Mormons in Antarctica. You want to blame someone? It's
1: blame the, Mormons. the Mormons. They know. They know where the Holy Land is. It's the place where time travel works and it's Utah. It's <laughs> unnecessarily. We're being unnecessarily hostile to Mormons. I am. I'm sorry. I apologize to we the Church love, of Latter-day Saints.
2: I love some Mormons.
1: Christian identity wasn't born out of the Klan Or American Nazi Party But it was fertilized by the culture of racism Fostered within these organizations Which allowed it to grow and thrive on American soil Historian Nicholas Goodrick-Clark Tells us that the origins of Christian identity Go back like so many institutions In the U.S. to the U.K. In the early decades of the 19th century John Wilson and Edward Hine Among others preached that ethnic Brits Were descended from the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel A view that came to be called British Israelism.
2: Oh, Lord above. Here we go. (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not listening to an OC episode unless you're getting some of this fun. Yep. British supremacy on the global stage as an imperial power demonstrated that the British were, in fact, the chosen people of God. I mean, look at how long Queen Elizabeth lived.
2: 96, girl. Right? Mm.
1: If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Isn't the oldest person in the world black, though?
2: Yeah, she was like a hundred. Is she still alive?
1: Really? Yeah, she, she was like or th- hundred
2: and thirteen. Or yeah, wow, she, she was sure. black. Where did yeah. she live? So uh, in the U.S. Oh, I don't know.
0: Uh, it, it must have been. It, it had to have been the U.S. Maybe. I you don't think, know. think so.
1: Someone Google it. Being a little arrogant about this that. Like, yeah, I know <laughs> our diet does know, not <laughs> is not conducive enough. But it's possible. Yeah. Maybe she just ate her own way. <clears throat> Anyhow. British supremacist. Oh, what was I saying? The British 10 tribes in the UK and America uh, should join, they said, the two not lost tribes of Jews in Israel to reclaim the Holy Land and fulfill God's plan. While this seems like an odd start to a movement that would target the world's Jews as demonic conspirators, there were some quirks to British Israelism that opened that door. First, John Wilson believed that the Jewish tribes of Judah had intermarried with the Edomites, a spiritually inferior group. Back in the Garden of Eden, Eve had been sexually seduced by a humanoid serpent devil, uh, which is the real meaning of the whole apple story. That's just Mm -hmm. an allegory for serpent sex. It's the serpent seed theory. It's not unique to Christian identity Mm -hmm. or British Israelite-ism, but um, anyhow. Uh, I'm fascinated by this stuff. I love the the reinterpretations of Eden. Uh, So anyway, uh, then she gave birth to Cain. Cain then joined an inferior race of pre-Adamic people and fathered a satanic seed line that, you guessed it, intermingled with the two Jewish tribes. The ten lost British tribes, by contrast, preserved their pure blood. Since they believe themselves to be the true Jews following the ideology of British Israelism, Christian identity followers observe the Jewish Sabbath and Purim and give their children Old Testament names and observe the dietary laws of Deuteronomy and Leviticus.
0: All I can think about right now is Jesus with, like, just the worst British accent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, because of British Israelism, though, I mean, I, I, we just need to really let this sink in. Christian identity, white supremacists observe a lot of Jewish tradition.
2: Well, I also like, as soon as you started bringing up like the Cain stuff, it reminded me of just like in school, how we would learn about like, they would say what it, that, like black people, like a reason for enslaving them was because they had the blood of Cain that they. The yeah, blood that dropped. was one argument. So it's interesting to me that they're also like.
1: The Mormon? Jews the are Jewish lumped in the same way. And yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like,
2: it seems like it's just... Also, where's Abel? Fuck him?
1: He died. He died.
2: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but like... Him.
1: He didn't have time to reproduce. Is that what you're saying? Probably guess, not. He yeah. was so pure. He died yeah. a virgin.
0: Mormons have a similar theory. Like, there's like an old Mormon cartoon that basically says there was a battle in heaven and those who sided with the devil were cursed with black skin mm. on earth.
1: Yeah, it's like... yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, sorry, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Scholar Matthias Gardell identifies two variants of Christian identity. Hardcore believers hold that Jews are literally the progeny of Satan who made war with God in space. Softcore believers are willing to accept this as allegorical.
2: <laughs> so... I'll accept this, but only as an allegory.
1: Not substantially better, yeah. The hardcore believer holds that the white person's bodily fluids need to be protected from those of the other races since only the white race contains the divine spark which has passed through the generations. Interracial marriage kills the spark and is considered an egregious sin. The softcore believer views the Luciferian space battle as a metaphor for God's preference for Jacob over Esau. Esau was Jacob's brother, who was sexually attracted to the mongrel races. I'm quoting their mongrel races. Esau's children, Ed, uh, child, Edom, uh, or the children of Edom, uh, have been in a constant battle ever since for supremacy over God's favorite people, the children of Jacob. During the apocalypse, God will wipe out the race of Edom, and Jacob's race shall inherit the earth." In the meantime, the enemy reigns, and has, since the Jews took control of the Roman Empire and used the Empire's power to distort Christian teaching, removing the doctrines of Arian Jesus and all of this bloodline stuff from the Bible. Got me?
2: Yep. Sure.
1: Following that? Okay. I don't want to lose you anywhere here. No, this sucks.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Jews have controlled mainstream Christianity ever since, and Christian identity believers look forward to the day when they can assist God in a racial cleansing of the earth. So only Christian identity has the true Christianity. All other Christians are faking it, and they may not even realize it. The movement's anti-Semitism was promoted most successfully by William J. Cameron, who worked for Henry Ford as his press relations manager and was the editor of Ford's anti-Semitic magazine, The Dearborn Independent. As editor... Cameron was responsible for introducing America to the false protocols of the elders of Zion, which introduced the idea that a conspiracy of Jewish people was secretly manipulating world events. Cameron's ideas inspired Pastor Wesley Smith, who founded the Anglo-Saxon Christian Congregation in Lancaster, California. Smith preached that the white race were originally divine beings who assisted God with his creation until Lucifer and his demons attacked Earth in their spaceships, the whites helped to bring Lucifer down, and some of the demons that fell to earth survived. The African races fell with the demons as their servants, and the Jews were the demons' children. White Aryan descendants had a responsibility to fight and overcome the inheritors of the pre-Adamic bloodline and the impure Cain bloodline. Smith interpreted the Whore of Babylon from the Book of Revelations as a metaphor for the Jewish conspiracy, which has enslaved the white world economically and would be destroyed in an apocalypse. He founded the Christian Defense League and chose Richard Butler as its first president. And Butler is where we pick up the story. Butler is born in Colorado in 1918, studies aeronautical engineering, and takes a job with the consolidated Vultee Aircraft Company, who posted him in Bangalore, where he worked for the Royal Indian Air Force during the Second World War. Despite working on the side of the Allies, much like Rockwell, he sympathized with Hitler.
2: What is this? I, um, is this like a common thing?
1: I mean among neo-nazis yeah
2: Well <laughs> <laughs> sure but, well, like, well,
0: like how did some guy from Colorado like just the average dude So he's aerospace was it aerospace engineers mm-hmm, yeah. Pretty how smart did, guy, right? Yeah, it's like, you gotta be smart to do that think critically, you know? Do, do
1: math. You, yeah, it's like, how did you
0: end up as a white supremacist?
1: I do wow. want to say, Sam, and, and I love my all my STEM people out there, you guys always get all the love and all the money and the grants. Go science, technology, engineering, and math. Brrrr. They generally are a little short on humanistic thought. And when mm-hmm. it comes to converting you to a system of belief, it is humanistic and ethical philosophical yeah. thought that's defending wheelhouse. you. Yeah, yeah, not your knowledge of calculus. No,
0: the STEM bros in my ethics class said wild stuff. <laughs> that's why we need
2: STEAM.
1: <laughs> yeah, we need. you got to have a little art in there. You, you'll be all right, my STEM friends. If you just listen to occult confessions, <laughs> we're going to get your humanities fix on right here stave off those those Hitler converters.
2: <laughs> yeah, well. Anyhow.
1: I I will try to make sense of this a little bit. His posting in India had exposed him to India's caste system, which struck him as a great idea to oh, try and geez. bring home. Come on.
2: Who, that's not what you want to bring home.
1: <laughs> Butler's not the only one. Others on the occult side of fascism, namely Miguel Serrano and Savitri Devi, were similarly enamored of a system of the Buddha, a system, a caste system that the Buddha famously attempted to reform and remove. 500 years before the Common Era. So there have been critiques of the caste system going back a whole long time, and an entire religion is founded, at least in part, on that.
2: But let's take it home.
1: Yeah, let's bring it back to America. On his return from India, Butler came to idolize Hitler as second only to Jesus Christ in general greatness.
2: That's, even objectively, if I don't believe in Jesus... Just like based off of like things that they've done,
1: Jesus. Like
2: if we're greatest warrioring, like Jesus oh, yeah. versus like Adolf H- Hitler, Hitler. Like
1: you're gonna go with Jesus.
2: Well, it, Hitler you doesn't heard it stand here, a folks. chance.
0: <laughs> Similar things have been said about Trump by modern day evangelicals. You guys are really trying to. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, I, that I'm one not...
2: was Sam. That wasn't me. No, that was me. me.
0: I know it was me, but <laughs> it's just a statement of fact. I know I said it rhetorically, and I was implying something about it, but similar things have been said about Trump as like the second coming. Like I, you know, um, it's funny on the, on J six, the amount of like, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Or like repent sinners, signs and stuff like that were at there while Trump supporters were at the Capitol building. You know, it's like, Whoa, it seems like white Christians have this weird thing where they love to write, raise up a politician, not with Jesus. Cause ideologically they can't do that. But Mm as close as they can get to Jesus
1: comes first. Yeah. But you know who's second? My guy. My guy. Yeah. While working for Lockheed Martin on the L-1011 jumbo jet, 1011, I don't know, he used his pilot's license to begin making regular flights to the Pacific Northwest, where he fantasized about establishing a white homeland. His dream came to fruition when he retired to the Northwest at 55, and in 1977, founded the Church of Jesus Christ Christian and the Aryan Nations Compound on hayden lake in the panhandle of idaho as a white racial utopia still uh, they can
0: keep the panhandle yeah, I don't <laughs> well go i mean to, that is to to...
1: the hotbed of <laughs> yeah. all of this idaho? activity you don't want to go to idaho but no. you, because this is where it's at not well, all I mean, of idaho anyway. it's a lovely potato laden state but yeah <laughs> we the got panhandle potatoes here there's a lot of this going on up there on the compound, members observed strict sexual roles, with women doing the cooking, cleaning, and nurturing, and the men carrying the guns.
0: Oh, of course. No, it's. I mean, that's just standard, kind of like.
1: Sexism. It really is.
0: Like it is just standard. Like, like I'm not surprised by it. I was a believer in that. Like,
2: we can't give women guns.
1: I love though that it's here. You do all that. I want to carry this around a while. I'm
2: going to watch you do all that (laughs) while I hold my gun. Take
0: number two. Most men don't want a partner. They just want a mommy.
2: Well, I'll support you there, honestly.
1: The compound was guarded by men in paramilitary uniforms because of previous attacks. On the 1st of July, 1998, these troopers chased Victoria Keenan and her son, Jason, down the road outside the compound after they'd stopped briefly in front of the Aryan Nations to retrieve something that had fallen out of their car.
2: God forbid.
1: Right? Butler's henchmen fired at the mother and son, shot shot out a tire, and forced them into a ditch. They then assaulted the Keenans and let them go. The Keenans, represented by a team from the Southern Poverty Law Center, sued Butler and won a settlement for $6 million
2: oh, hell yeah. that
1: effectively put an end to the Aryan nation's compound.
2: Dang. I mean, go off, but like, also what?
1: Butler's most damning legacy were the people he inspired to commit horrific acts of violence in the name of Christian identity. Robert J. Matthews began to assemble his Brüder's Schweigen, Silent Brothers, or the order uh, at, at the—also just called the order, I should say.
2: Because that is a weird word to say. Easier to remember, yeah. Bergen- uh,
1: <laughs> uh, Sorry, German listeners. Matthews began forming that uh, at the Aryan Nations Aryan World Congresses in 1982 and 1983— Inspired by neo-Nazi physicist William Luther Pierce's novel The Turner Diaries about a race war, the Bruder Schweigen hoped to establish an Aryan homeland on the Order of Butler's Compound, but much larger, and in the Pacific Northwest. So like Oregon, I guess. They funded their operation through counterfeiting money, bank robberies, and armored car robberies. In Ukiah, California, they stole $3.6 million from a Brinks car. Yeah, they're not messing around.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah. They bombed a synagogue in Boise. Oh, jeez. And uh, I think most famously murdered talk radio host Alan Berg. Berg was ethnically that Jewish. That
2: sounds familiar. That sounds so familiar. Uh,
1: the movie Talk Radio, I believe, is about him. Oh, I don't know. Or about this story, anyway. It's a fictionalization of this. I think it's Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Berg was ethnically Jewish and outspokenly liberal, which made him a target for the order. David Lane and Bruce Pierce were convicted of violating his civil rights, also of conspiracy and racketeering, but not of homicide, and they were sentenced to 190 and 252 years in prison, respectively. David Lane may sound familiar from our earlier episode on the neo-Nazi occult for founding a pagan white supremacist order from prison. In June 1984, Order member Tom Martinez was arrested for passing counterfeit bills at a liquor store. When Matthews told him of his plan to kill the liquor store owner, Martinez gave himself over to the FBI and became an informant.
2: Are they doing. Sorry. Are they doing like specifically criminal activity to get money because yeah. they can't do anything else? They're
1: raising money. Well, I guess they think it's the we, quickest way to raise money. They don't,
0: okay, YouTube wasn't I'm, a thing,
1: or Indiegogo. Well, i just like <laughs> <You> couldn't podcast. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't have Insert a Patreon. Kim
2: Kardashian being I like, I don't think Patreon people just don't want to work these days. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. they couldn't start on Instagram. Robin Banks is a full time job. It takes up your time. Anyhow, my buddy Martina is here, not my buddy, uh, but he did become an informant and brought the organization down. Matthews died during a shootout at his home on Whidbey Island outside of Seattle, where federal agents set fire to his house. His death day, December the 8th, has since been celebrated as the Day of the Martyrs by white nationalists. Oh, of
2: course.
0: <sighs> and Wait, can uh, federal agents light a house on fire to get a bad guy? Like That I, doesn't seem like something they can do. That was a different time, accidentally.
2: man. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say how fire starts? I feel starts. like they would
0: do it today and there'd be videos of it. And then like we'd all be outraged online. And then like after a week, the news cycle would go through and we just wouldn't talk about it. Anymore. Well, I mean,
1: you have to bear in mind, this is what, 1984. So we're going to like still ahead of us is all the business in Waco mm. and, yeah. uh, you know, Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of these conflicts. The guy that wrote Behold the Pale Horse but Milton Cooper is going to die in a shootout with the federal agents. Like it's just what happens in the 90s. So this is one of the first.
2: And the fucking L.A. race riots started in the 90s. Oh, that's true,
1: yeah. That's all I have to say on the subject of Christian identity. Final thoughts?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Olivia, you go first. Sam has so many things to say. I'm just, like, trying to think back. Well, because we both – so we both come from church backgrounds, Mm -hmm. different church backgrounds. Mine is just Methodist. It's pretty lax. But I was just, like – I feel like the racism was super – like, there was 100% racism in the church growing up, I remember, but it was, like, low-key. Like, well, I way... don't want to imply
1: that Christians, as a matter of course, were racist. This is a specific no, yeah, sect of Christianity. No, yeah, but I'm just
2: saying, like, I feel like that's a thing, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Christianity is often, I mean, the black church is a huge part of Southern culture. But
2: that's why I think it's Northern also, culture. I just remember there. there were literally, like, black people in our church growing up that got, like, pushed out basically, oh, wow. yeah. But they it, they did it in such a way where they were like, oh, well, you can't be part of the youth group leaders. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, you can't do that. And then they just kind of like... They got the hint. ...left, mm. yeah. But... So
1: you think that some of this Christian identity thought undergirds that? Or they're I just do, being I think racist? a lot of
2: it, I think, lends...
1: If you were a pool club or a tennis club, would it be any different?
2: I think it's like specifically the people that... These are like older people too. Maybe I should clarify. Like the church I went to was predominantly like old people. Not that
1: we're being ageist.
2: I'm being a little ageist. Young
1: people can be racist too.
2: Sure, obviously. But like, I don't know. Maybe I see I'm what just you talking mean. out my ass. No, but
1: I see what you mean. I mean, I it happened. Like, you witnessed it.
2: And it's just like, it's... I feel like if you are not entirely in their eyes, like abiding by like what they see, because like even like beyond racism, like my mom got pushed out of the church too. As oh, soon as they like, were just hyper judgy. Yeah, as soon as they like see anything is like anything you are doing is like related to a sin or anything like even inside of like helping and being like a part of the community or blah blah. It's it's not. It's like a. They force people out yeah, instead get of othered. But you quickly. suspect yeah. that
1: race would have been the other uh, that, that's they, they didn't have to do anything. They just said to not be white.
2: It Yeah, they it and it wasn't I don't even know if it was like related to ideology or if it was just them being older people from the eastern shore yeah, being yeah. like we don't like you. <laughs> it's kind of hard to like but it was stuff like they wouldn't give reason why like they couldn't do certain things. For lack of like yeah. a better cause like my mom was really close friends with them and it like I don't know, it was like a whole thing, but I see what you mean.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, like um I guess I don't see like you know, we don't see like the shootouts and stuff like that anymore. And I don't see like overt Christian identity, but I see things similar to it. Um i had, I think i talked to you a little bit about this before, Rob, when I just kind of popped in that one day. um I had attended this men's bible study um it was a protestant bible study um I would describe it as evangelical mm-hmm. um in uh Eastern shore of maryland um it like the town like a little bit south of Salisbury i forget it's the I forget the name we don't want
1: to call them out completely,
0: so yeah.
2: yes them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they they will enough. not. Damn, should I be calling out the church? No, no, no they will
0: not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Fair um Still, we don't want to. Um, but libel charges. You, you, you will see like this because, like, at the base of a lot of like white supremacist stuff is a provisionist history outright conspiracy theories and like an inability to have rational conversation it doesn't matter how many times i debunk a white supremacist on their made-up history on their weird like measuring skulls their pseudosciences and stuff yeah. like that it's not about the content of what they're saying but the act of saying it because mm. at some point like we're going to platform them At some point, and we're going to go like, bring your crazy theories onto the show, like talk about it in the marketplace of free ideas and stuff like that. And they're saying something that's just like wild. You know, they could be saying today is Wednesday. And I'm stealing this from philosophy tube on Mm -hmm. YouTube. Um, They could be saying today is Wednesday when it's inappropriate to say today is Wednesday. Because it's not Wednesday. It's not Wednesday. And they're wrong. And they know that it's not Wednesday. You know, they'll go like, oh, today's Wednesday on that talk show. And there's some guy in Iowa who hears that and goes, oh, today's Wednesday, the Wednesday problem. We need to ask about these Wednesday globalists, you know, all of this stuff. It's about the act of saying it. So in the men's Bible study that I went to, there was overt racism, homophobia, sexism, bigotry that came out of, you know, out of these ideas from like this revisionist style of history, you know, this kind of like denying about like, Slavery, how bad it was, this denial about um, what the Civil War was really fought about. Um, So you're
1: saying because there's a cultural platform that's created for this, that it gives permission to these people in these more localized environments to espouse these views.
0: And then they radicalize each other. You know, the difference Mm -hmm. in the strength of language between, on a weekly basis, was astounding to me. Mm. Just, you know, the vulgar discussion of women— the outright uh, blaming of uh, Asian people for COVID. Oh, you so know? this is that was the time period. Yeah, I mean, I had started going um, probably this time last year, so we're like right at the end of kind of COVID and all of that. And so, but even then, you know, you would see Confederate flags on their pickup trucks in the church parking lot. You would see like all sorts of stuff, you know. You but it was funny enough. One of the guys gave me "Night" by Ellie Wissell. Mm. and told me to read it and said that's what's happening to us you know you know it's like white replacement theory but instead of it being white replacement theory it's christian replacement theory but through the mouth of a jew yeah but through yeah how uh, so that's where we get this revisionist kind of history i can i can literally debunk him in a sentence saying yeah that's what happened to the jews this is a, a, a historical account of it by a person who it happened to it doesn't matter well, it's not an allegory. It was not intended to be no. read as an allegory. No, 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 because it's the act of saying it. And then those the act of saying it becomes acting on what you say. Right. You know, Um. but it's Christian identity is strange. You know, when you look at most, if you go on like Southern Poverty Law Center, they have a database mm-hmm. of white supremacist groups. A lot of them are Christian associated. A lot of them have a, 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 an influence of Christian identity into them. And for me, the strangest part about it is is how they read the Bible and scripture. Protestants are always going to have that inerrant view that this thing is perfect in every way, that everything that's said in it is 100% true. There's no allegory. There's nothing like that. But then they do do the allegory.
1: Well, you have to. The document yeah. is not consistent. No. It doesn't tell a consistent story. No. It you, contradicts itself.
0: Yeah, which is the confusing part for me because they have this inerrant ideology about inerrancy that would require them to not do allegory but then they do allegory to get to their racist um you know racist conclusions but that leads me to think like um what's the guy's name he wrote ur fascism mm-hmm. umberto echo mm-hmm. um i had told you about him i think over instagram and yep. in, in one of his like descriptions of fascism and white supremacy is always going to be fascist in some way he says it's inherently contradictory so to me, when they don't make any sense, it makes sense.
1: Then we know what we're looking at.
0: Yeah, we're starting to look at because it's going to be inherently contradictory. There, you know, the enemy is both strong and weak. Jews are right. both controlling the world but weak enough for us to defeat them. Mm-hmm. You know, black people are both dangerous criminals who we need to clutch our purses around, but they're also ignorant and don't know how to do anything and they don't know how to read. Right. You know, Joe Biden is both another hot take, but this happens all <laughs> the time. Yeah, Joe Biden is both an orchestrating evil person who's controlling our gas prices and like you know destroying like family values but he's also sloppy joe
1: right you know incapable of running the yeah. country except like, when he's dark brandon
0: yeah except he's, dude that <laughs> dark brandon meme is funny
1: i have to say that it's funny <laughs> the only sad thing is the white house agrees with you yeah it <laughs> sort of takes the joy out of it yeah oh well well that's a, a, yes that's an excellent take sam whoo I think you summed it up pretty well there. And I I think that reminds us why it's important to even talk about this now. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't view this as a symptom of the past. You're at this meeting a year ago, two years ago. uh, And I'm talking about these events of the 90s. Uh, It's not behind us. These beliefs are certainly still out there and we need to be vigilant. We need to be vigilant.
2: We even see it. We see it with us and QAnon people. Sure. Where they... are very directly contradictory even in their insults about, you know, Jewish. uh,
1: You name it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You name it. Yeah. Uh, And it's, I think it's important and I'm going to, since Sam has been (laughs) trolling the right, I'll troll the left a a little bit here. I think it's important that we don't vampirize ourselves. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, there are truly cultural enemies to be had out there. They exist and they look like this when we, uh, vampirize each other because we're not, you know, speaking about race or sex in exactly the way that you know I want you to or you want me to, then we find ourselves in an infight when we really should be targeting the groups on the far fringes who are truly distorting the culture in hateful ways. Yeah,
0: an interesting quote by Frederick Douglass. Um, in one of his biographies, Charles Douglas wrote that his slave master's conversion to Christianity only made him crueler and more hateful, saying, I remember that, yeah. if it had any effect on his character, it made him more cruel and hateful in all of his ways.
1: Mm-hmm. So we did. We needn't have gone much further than Douglas. We could yeah. have stopped right there. We <laughs> could have just
2: went right over right 15 minutes from <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, right?
1: Douglas is from the Eastern Shore, yeah. so we but, claim him as one of our own. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, Olivia, bring us on home.
2: I do remember what I was going to say. Oh, the go way. ahead. <laughs> Just like how you were saying earlier that like, you know, basically as white people, like, you know, like we sh- I, We have a responsibility to deal with our crazy, uncle, to, our crazy uncle. We have a responsibility to, crazy racists. Yeah, and it's like the whole like anti-racist versus like non-racist, like, you know, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. anyway. Bring us on home.
2: I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting, the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors, till such time as we get together and do it again.
1: My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson, joining you with Sam Steen's Shepherd of the First. It is good to be back. Good to have you back, Hopefully man. Hopefully, I'll be back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day.
1: <laughs> and Olivia, literal grand master of the order.
2: I don't know what I was going to say. I totally just blanked, but. You should um, make like
0: a cat noise.
1: Olivia does have a lot of kittens these days just one just one left oh down to one mm. yeah she had she is many kittens have passed through Olivia's hands let's say that
2: that sounds I've held many uh...
1: and on to better things <laughs> never mind <laughs> this so concludes our call series uh, we move on next to uh, yeah we're definitely going to need Sam because we are moving on next to occult Christianity uh, there's going to be two ways that I approach this uh, first, we are going to take a good hard look at um, some of the uh, more occulty beliefs within mainstream Christianity. We're going to take a look at the belief in a theocracy uh, and whether or not Christian theocracy is a thing that Christians should pursue and, and want to have. So, control of a government. We're going to take a good hard look at the prosperity doctrine, which is deeply occulty, uh, and we're going to take a good hard look at Christian sex, just because I need to do that in <laughs> uh, a couple episodes on Christian sex eds. And then we're going to take a look at some of my favorite theosophist, occultist Christians, Anna Kingsford, Charles Ledbetter. Uh, and we're also going to take a look at the delightfully strange Urantia book, which belongs to the uh, to some Seventh-day Adventists who went off and did their own UFO thing. All things to look forward to here on Occult Confessions. Bye. Bye.